if a bear has to tell you to do something, <laughs> she should probably do she it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You are here with Olivia Dove, lover of PBJs, prairie stroller, steward of the land, and a Green Iowa AmeriCorps member. And I am here with Gina Erico, a nature lover, vegetable eater, houseplant hoarder, and most importantly, a Green Iowa AmeriCorps member. Welcome to the Backyard Club, where we will be discussing conservation on an understandable level, why we think it is so important, and how you can empower yourself and your community to make a difference for the better, one small step at a time. Last week's podcast focused on what makes a tree a tree, and we had a tremendous time talking about it. We hope you enjoyed today's intro, brought to you by Olivia. <laughs> Switching it up this week. Taking charge. Yes. Today, we want to talk about the specific types of trees and what makes them unique from one another. So there are two main different types of trees. There are deciduous trees and coniferous trees. Both of these trees serve a specific role in their environments and to the organisms that rely on them. However, they are different from one another, and we're going to dive into a little bit more about what makes each so uniquely different from one another. So, why don't we dive in and talk about our dear friends, the deciduous trees, and also do a little bit of review from last week's podcast. Yeah, so on last week's episode, we talked a lot about how trees work, but we mainly focused on deciduous trees when it came to leaves. So if you remember, we kind of talked about how we associate deciduous trees with pretty fall colors. So these are your maples, your oaks, your elms, all of the types of trees that turn red, orange, or yellow in the fall and then lose their leaves for the winter. These trees are the type of trees that thrive in moderate climates and they go into a season of dormancy in the winter. And then when spring rolls around and the sun comes out, they start to grow out their leaves. So the reason that they do this is because shorter days and winter weather don't support the continued leaf growth. The trees have to make the conscious decision whether or not they want to hold on to their leaves throughout the winter and try and grab whatever little sunlight comes out, but instead they decide to drop their leaves and sort of reserve the extra energy and the sugars that they've collected and made throughout the summer, go to sleep, quote-unquote, they don't actually sleep, sort of go into like this dormancy period instead of wasting the energy to keep these leaves going when there really isn't that much sunlight left. So they drop their leaves, they go into this dormancy period, and they essentially spend all winter sort of like a slow motion almost, and it's kind of like how, you know, people think like bears hibernate because there's not a lot of food so it's not worth to go out. It's kind of the same concept with trees. Mm -hmm. And then spring rolls around and they invest all of this energy into building leaves and collecting more sunlight and sort of the cyclical thing. Mm -hmm. And so in the spring, they also burst with new buds and flowers. And so they put more focus into seed or fruit production as well as leaf production so that they can carry on their genetic traits and release their seeds out. There's also the risk when you produce seeds and fruits because... I think it's something like, there's, for acorns, I think it's like a million get dropped mm -hmm. and only one makes it. Mm -hmm. So you need a lot of energy to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's not 
some willy-nilly, oh, we'll just do this. It's survival of the fittest, really. So, and it does. It takes a lot of energy to put it out there. So you can't just make, like, I think, what is it? It's like a lot of trees will have, like, a mast year. Mm -hmm. So they'll drop, like, a bunch of acorns. And it's great because that's the possibility of all those new seedlings being sown and grown. But unfortunately, like, wildlife also are very happy about those mass deers. And so you have deer, turkey, squirrels, squirrels mm -hmm. also eating the acorns, which significantly decreases the survival rate of those new potential trees. Yeah, and so you have to think about it. It's not just the trees. Like, trees just don't exist by themselves. There's other things around. And with massing years, you can actually follow the patterns of population sizes. Mm -hmm. Because in massing years, the following year, squirrel populations will actually increase because there's more food, so they eat more of it. And then the next year, there's not as many acorns, and so populations drop again. And so it is this sort of cyclical thing. But the reason why they do massed years is because... If every year you drop five acorns, the odds are is that they're going to get eaten. So if you decide one year you're going to drop ten acorns and there's only really enough squirrels that, like, five acorns is enough, they're good, then those five acorns that are left over have a better chance of growing up and becoming seedlings. And then alternatively, again, like, you see population increase and stuff like that. So it is, there's an evolutionary reason for it, and that's basically how trees are able to survive and not get eaten by squirrels mm -hmm. or deer or something else like that so it's something that they have evolved to do over time and it's a big waste of energy to create seeds and fruit so it makes mm -hmm. sense that they would have these years where they put a whole lot of energy into it and years where they don't and they just focus on growth and collecting sunlight and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so overall it seems like deciduous trees have to be very conscientious of how they're going to use, I guess, their food and their water and resources mm -hmm. to either grow or to create new seeds to carry on their their genes and all of that. Yeah, distribution of resources is a really important factor in their lives. Mm -hmm. Man, <laughs> those trees. On the opposite hand, we have coniferous trees, um, also known as conifers, and they still have the same I guess, idea of caring about their resources and distribution of those, but not as much as deciduous trees, I feel, because coniferous trees are, they're pretty tough. In my opinion, I feel like they are, they're pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, they're like the ancestral, like their, their line is more like ancestral of the plants, I guess. You have to think about it. If they have leaves all year round, Right. Whereas deciduous trees have to make this conscious decision. Like, we have to make sure our leaves are big enough and mm -hmm. we have enough of them to absorb all the sunlight because you only get one shot. You mm -hmm. get three months, maybe four or five, depending on where you are. And then that has to get you through the entire winter and still have enough energy to sort of produce these leaves and these fruits and these flowers. Mm -hmm. And the next spring, whereas evergreens have these leaves all year round and mm -hmm. they might not necessarily get as much sunlight in the winter as they do in the summer. But they don't have to worry about, okay, like, when am I going to, you know, if I miss this mark to produce my leaves, that tree is basically goner. Like, you can't, you can't survive if you, for, well, trees don't forget to make leaves. But, like, if they're late or if they're too early, it can really cause mm -hmm. an issue. Whereas, like, evergreens are like, hey, 
leaves all year round, so it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, the reason, and the reason why coniferous don't lose their leaves as often is it has to do with a combination of things, but, I mean, generally, if you think about their evolution, so when people think of coniferous trees, they think of alpine mountain regions that are pretty harsh and they have really harsh winters. There's typically snow at the tops of, of mountains majority of the year. And so these coniferous trees have had to adapt to those conditions. And so instead of putting all of this energy out in the spring to grow these huge, huge leaves and produce lots of fruits and, and nuts, instead they're like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take it back a bit, and instead of putting all this energy into creating all these leaves, they they have these leaves that are evergreen, and so they they don't fall off in in the fall. Instead, they they stay on the tree for a good year or two, and that doesn't mean that you know this the tree never or coniferous trees never regrow new leaves, but like I said, those needles will last for a year or two and then they'll fall off, and then they'll regrow new ones, but it'll kind of be like a continuous effort to grow leaves. It'll never be at, like at one time, like the tree is just like needleless. And if it is needleless, it means either one of two things. Either one, it's dead, or two, it's a deciduous conifer, which is crazy because those are conifers that are just like, you know what, we're just going to lose our leaves in the fall. And they're beautiful trees, so like trees like larches and your sequoia trees and... Isn't bald cypress? Mm -hmm. yeah. Your cypress. Yeah, those are deciduous conifers, and so they are strange. Um, strange ones other, of the family. They'll, world. they'll lose their leaves. But the black sheep of the family. Yeah, pretty much is what I was going to say. And if you think about their shape, too, so, I mean, a big reason, too, why deciduous trees lose their leaves in the fall is, you know, one, mainly for the fact that it doesn't make sense to continuously be growing these leaves and put energy out to making them green, but you also think about the shape of a deciduous tree. They're going to be typically rounded. Their, their branches will be kind of out. At They're like, top heavy. Yeah, so when it snows and stuff, if you have leaves on there, the tree's going to have to take all of that weight on the branches because um, the leaves have a pretty large surface area. Mm. So they're going to catch on that snow and the tree is susceptible to limb damage and breakage. Whereas coniferous trees, you know, they have tiny needle-like leaves, so they're small. And they're cone-shaped for a reason, so when it snows, the tree doesn't have branches that are sticking straight out. They're more facing down, and when it snows, it'll just, just kind of nicely off. Fall, fall, yeah. fall off. And you have to think, because anytime there's sort of tree damage, that's energy diverted towards repairing the tree mm -hmm. damage because you yep. can't just it would be like falling and scraping your knee right like you can't just have an open wound mm -hmm. because that can lead to all sorts of infection and bug pest mm -hmm. infiltration yep. so it's important that they have the ability to save as much energy as they possibly can and so deciduous trees will drop their leaves but evergreens and conifers are sort of built with the structure that they don't need to because the way that they grow, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. They're tough cookies. And also, the way they reproduce. So, conifers, they produce cones. And while they it takes a lot of energy to still produce those cones, they don't have to put as much energy into them because whereas 
acorns and other nuts and fruits from deciduous trees are typically going to be more likely consumed. Cones are going to be a little bit more tough, and so while there are still wildlife species that rely on eating the nuts from those cones, a lot of the times it's harder to get access to those. Some of the cones, they might not be available for consumption, such as cones that need to be opened by fire or ceratinous cones. I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, ceratinous cones. Can we talk about wildfires for a second? Yeah. Yeah. Another reason why conifers and evergreens are badass trees. Some places, a lot of the places that are more frequented of forest fires is where these trees exist, and there's mm-hmm. a reason for that, because they have evolutionarily adapted to these mm-hmm. situations, and so they, a lot of them have really thick bark, mm-hmm. because that's how they survive. But a lot of them sort of just have this way where it's like, okay, like we're not going to survive this forest fire, so... How do you continue to exist as a species knowing that at some point, like, your life your life is just going to be cut off real quick? Mm-hmm. And so the serotonous cones are cool because they're basically, they can exist for years. And they're just closed protectors of seeds. And then when fire rolls through, they open up. And so if you actually find the trees that have these and you put a lighter to it, they'll open up which is really cool, or you could just YouTube a video of it so you don't, like, hold the lighter up to trees. That's probably not a smart idea. Don't do that. But yeah, and so when the fire rolls through, it sort of kills all of that lower understory species, and they'll even kill some of the older trees, and then they'll drop their seeds, which is a perfect way to start, you know, spreading your genetics and mm-hmm. continuing on the population. Yeah. So that's just another reason why it's cool. pine trees are pine. amazing. For a long time, there was an issue with like a conservation in the United States, you know, Smokey the Bear came out and said, you know, you can prevent wildfires, which, I mean, for good purpose. Like, we don't purposely want to be setting wildfires, or fires in general, but, like, wildfires that are caused by lightning or some sort of natural purpose. While, although we hate to see them ruin human infrastructure in people's homes, of course, there was a time where fires were being put out so frequently that certain tree species weren't able to thrive as they once were and so there was this like turn in conservation like oh like fire is in a sense can be a good thing if managed properly to promote certain species so there's that fine line like natural forest fires are okay Mm -hmm. anything that naturally occurs is fine. We might hate it. I mean, mm-hmm. forest fires are not great, but no. that is the natural existence. The issue is, is when, you know, you and your friends go and light a campfire and oh, then yeah. leave it Don't burning it in out. the middle of a drought year yeah. and accidentally set the forest. That's when they become a problem because mm-hmm. that's not really natural. And so having too many forest fires is obviously not good. And if humans are responsible for it, obviously it's not what you want because mm-hmm. it's not natural and it's not how it's supposed to be. So an increase in forest fires has been pretty difficult, but forest fires, like Olivia said, are kind of an, a, it's a normal thing. It's not, it's been a part of these trees for their whole lives, which is mm-hmm. how they have these abilities to sort of survive and reproduce after the fact. Gotta follow those leave no trace principles. Yeah. Listen to Smokey. Listen to Smokey. If a bear has to tell you to do something, <laughs> she should probably you do should it. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. And so... Conifers have a pretty interesting history, especially, you know, talking about specifically evergreens, right? It's kind of 
a wild concept. Like, these are trees that don't lose their leaves because, mm-hmm. you know, popular culture and media is always, you know, fall. Like, you think of fall, immediately you think of leaves falling. Like, mm-hmm. that's exactly that's why we call it fall, literally. So conifers and evergreens are sort of this, like, wild card. Like, they just don't like lose their leaves. They're just green. They're evergreen. Green all year round. That's the whole point of it. And so they were thought to essentially be magic before science. This is, like... <laughs> Pre-1800s, like, back to, like, even before the Egyptians and the Romans, like, they were just magical because they just didn't lose, you know, nobody knew. If you don't know any better, you just say it's magic. Sometimes I say things seem like they're magic, and it's not. It's science. But before you knew what science was, it was magic, essentially. And so people believe that evergreens had this magical spiritual power, and they warded off evil spirits, and they were also a sign of life. So when life got really dark and depressing... They would hang sort of like branches of evergreens to remind them during the winter solstice. This was normally when it was because it's the shortest day of the year. The nights are longest. And so it's sort of like that, you know, like how Groundhog Day is where Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, like, you know, we're promising. We're hoping for a good spring. And so they would sort of do this in the celebration. Like, let's hope for a better spring and eternal life and all this kind of spiritual stuff. And that kind of transitioned during, you know, between... Egypt, Roman to like the 1800s ish. I think Germany was the first place that Christmas trees were actually deemed a thing. Mm-hmm. And so the winter solstice is usually only a couple days before Christmas. And so when Christmas and Christianity, well, when Christianity became a thing, that's when Christmas trees became Christmas trees. And so it would again be the sign of eternal life and God and the ever living spirits and all that kind of stuff. And so people would cut these trees down, they would bring them in. At some point, somebody decided this would be a cool idea to put lights on them, and so they did. And it started mostly in Europe. Actually, the first settlers in the Americas were anti-Christmas trees, because, again, it's weird. These these trees that just (laughs) live all year round, they actually thought it was a sign of paganism, so they were really against it, and then as Europe and the Americas started to develop this popular culture idea of having Christmas trees and then at some point decorating them instead of just doing candles and then eventually it became an American tradition and now it's like glorified like you know you get a fake one you can get a real one everyone has them everywhere and so they do have this long stemmed history just because of the way that they are and so obviously now we know why and now you know why they're evergreen (laughs) all year round but it was this sort of magical mystical thing and this like Mm -hmm. ever you know, evergreen sign of life. And so that's really, it's really their, their whole story right there mm-hmm. is that's, you know, that's why we love them. Oh, Christmas trees. And then someone thought it'd be a good idea to make them artificial. But that's a whole other topic that we don't need to get into. <laughs> it's just not nature related. Plastic trees. <laughs> but kind it's of like for <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Okematic. <laughs> 2000. And other than our wonderful Christmas trees, of course, conifers have many, many other wonderful uses, including they've been recently identified to be used in cancer treatment. Specifically, yew trees produce a compound called paclitaxel, uh, which is able to create the medicine taxol um, used in treating cancer patients, which is pretty awesome. And this is Y-E-W. You, not like you. not like you, you. but it's a U tree. Yeah, you just tree. to just to clarify that. 
Yeah. I feel like to us it makes sense, but if you're listening to this, it definitely is. Yeah. tree. Yeah. And they also produce pine nuts, which I've actually never really eaten a pine nut. They're expensive. So they are. Yeah. I've heard that if you get a bad one, like if you get a bad batch, it's, it leaves like a really bad taste in your mouth too. I only know because there's cookies that we make. Oh. And it's like... $20 for like a pound. That's oh. definitely not right. If anyone out there buys pine nuts, don't actually quote me on that. But it's expensive. Like we sell, like, at my sister's bakery, you sell the cookies for like $30 a pound. Oh. Which normally you sell them, like a regular thing of cookies for like half of that price. Well, because, yeah. I mean, again, going back to the cones, like, it's not like pine nuts are an abundant supply. Yeah. Like you have, and especially in the size that you need to cook with them either. I mean, typically... To boil pine nut, it's gonna be very, very tiny, and oftentimes, I mean, in a cone itself, not all of those seeds are gonna be viable either. And you gotta fight the birds and squirrels yep. for them. It's yep. a whole, it's a whole battle out and there. And just get inside the cone too. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. There's a reason yeah. why they cost so much. <laughs> the concept of just like a cone and then the seeds inside it are crazy because there's like the cone and then there's the like the little scales mm-hmm. of each. And inside each one of those scales, there's like two seeds, and the seeds are winged. It's it's crazy. Like if you just look up a photo of a cone and a pine seed, wild. It's, it's pretty in depth. Um, but yes, and then also juniper trees or like cedar trees can be used to make turpentine. Fun fact. So. It's also a really dangerous chemical, but. It's cleaned your paintbrushes real well. Yeah. If you use oil paints, that's where it comes from. You can thank those trees. Yeah. Just the uses. <laughs> a lot of paper products, too, are used from the pulp of coniferous trees. Like paper, writing paper, and... Toilet paper? Toilet paper, specifically. Because they have those long fibers to... <laughs> we can have toilet paper. Do not be fooled. Olivia did, Olivia did an extensive search into toilet paper <laughs> I looked into we it. But it's both trees, right? It's so both deciduous trees. and yeah. coniferous. So deciduous trees. Oh no, sorry. Coniferous trees are able to produce the the fibers needed to produce the, the substance that is toilet paper. But it's actually deciduous trees, like your oaks and hickories, that allow it to be soft. So if you like that double ply angel soft toilet paper, like a tree. Shout out to. Multiple trees, <laughs> specifically those oaks, I guess. Mm-hmm. And deciduous trees, along with wood products, I mean, your table, your chairs, mm-hmm. we're sitting at a table made of wood, mm-hmm. toilet paper, paper, doors, really anything, anything made of wood comes from a tree, duh, mm-hmm. trees have mm-hmm. wood. And so there is a huge commercial use for them, for humans, which is even more of a reason why we should keep planting them because mm-hmm. not only are we utilizing them, they are yeah. providing benefits at the same time. And deciduous trees, like I said before, you know, they're known for their fall color, their flowering trees. They have a really big aesthetic appeal and they also have a beneficial appeal. I mean, both of these sets of trees do. Evergreens are beautiful in the winter when deciduous trees are sad and dead. Not dead. Dead looking. Yeah, so they both have some pretty interesting some pretty interesting history and some pretty useful things for us as humans. And then obviously if you missed our last podcast episode where we talk about why trees are so amazing, you should definitely listen to that because they do provide a lot of benefits mentally for us, health benefits. Mm-hmm. They you know, they provide shade and homes to wildlife. 
the list really goes on. They are incredible. Their internal structure is very unique and different and very complex. So it's good to know what's happening underneath the wood. Underneath the bark. Yeah. Barking up the right tree. And that's all for today. Thanks for listening in and joining us on this journey of becoming nature warriors. As always, stay safe, think smart, and don't forget to enjoy nature. For more information and resource links on today's episode, check out our website. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Interested in guest starring on our podcast? Contact us via the form on our webpage.